Go on, get a little out there, into the big-hearted heart of Nevada. Swap your jersey for more adventurous attire. Take a time out and huddle around the campfire. Come to a place where the stars shine brighter. Change your POV. Ride an ATV. Tell reality BRB. We've got surprising things to see. Go on, get a little out there. Start planning your trip at TravelNevada.com. The game is over, but we're just getting started. You're listening to The Fifth Quarter, presented by Twitch on the Raiders Podcast Network. And just like that, my friends, the 2022 NFL season has come to an end for your Las Vegas Raiders as they fall to the Kansas City Chiefs 31-13 in a game that candidly was never really that close. Eddie Pascal wrapping up the year in the fifth quarter with our guy Jason Fitz. And Fitz, before we dive in, uh, we have Fitz in L.A., do we not? We are not seeing the usual Bristol setup, am I right? Yeah, so I'm in L.A. for the College Football National Championship Monday night. Unfortunately, I thought I was going to be standing next to you, which would have been much much, much, much better today because, like, you could have snuggled me through what we watched. I don't think I was surprised by the outcome, but I will say this, and you, we didn't talk about this before we started the show. I say this every year. Uh, th- there's a point at the end of your football season where it's a little like the end of the worst relationship of your life. The truest picture of your team that you will ever have is today. And just like at the end of a relationship, a few months later, you're like, oh, you know what? I really miss this. And I really miss that. And that wasn't too bad. And by the time you get to next season, you go through the draft, free agency, it rebuilds all of this. I will tell every single Raiders fan loudly right now, take a look at the Kansas City Chiefs, the number one seed in the AFC. Take a look at the Raiders. And it shows you how much work there has to be done before next year. This is a team that needs several fixes to be competitive at the highest possible level. And and just to piggyback on that, Fitz, I think that you're you're 100% right, where we saw, I don't want to say that we saw the Raiders in, in their truest form today, but it just became pretty clear what the Raiders need, and it's more than one piece. And I think over the next couple months, I think that there's going to be a section of the fan base, and, and I think everyone is entitled to their uh, opinion, certainly, but there's going to be a group of people that says, we're one quarterback away. You figure out the situation at quarterback, and we're back, baby. We're going toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes and this and that, and you know we've, uh, we've arrived at the upper echelon of the AFC. And I don't want to you know, poo-poo those people's dreams and aspirations and everything that they feel is valid in the world of the NFL, but I think when we look at today and we look at the Raiders losing 31-13, being down 21-3 at halftime, it became abundantly clear to me. And like to your point, you have clarity at the end of a relationship, right? The Raiders are not a piece away, right? And I don't, I don't think that's bad to say. I don't think that that you and I are, are speaking down on anyone or degrading anything that has been put together here the past 12 months. That's just reality. The Raiders need a lot of help on the offensive line. Jared Stidham, objectively, a mobile quarterback, a guy who can extend plays, a guy who can do a lot of things with his legs. He got sacked six, six times today, and candidly, it could have been a heck of a lot worse, right? So you need help on the offensive line. Unless your name is Max Crosby on the defensive line, you need help there. You need some depth in the wide, wide receiver room. You need a linebacker. You and I were talking about before Soto rolling. You need a linebacker. Like, yes, there are things that the Raiders can do in the next six weeks, eight weeks, ten weeks that will objectively make them better on paper. But it's not one move, Fitz. 
It's not two moves. It's a handful of moves. It's a philosophy uh, and a theory of what Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler are going to do over the next six months to get this team to be able to go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs at some point down the road. I will never forget a month into this season. I was sitting at ESPN, the headquarters, and uh, sitting in our campus cafeteria. Dan Orlovsky walked by, and I stopped him on the way to NFL Live, and I said, Orlovsky, why are we wrong about so many teams? A month in, we were wrong about so many teams. And he looked without hesitation, and he said to me this, and it is stuck in my head, Eddie. He said, all we ever focus about is quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And at some point, we have to realize that there are 53 players on a roster, not one. And that's what Raiders fans and fans all over the league, that's what Jets fans are doing right now. That's what Panthers fans are doing right now. That's what Raiders fans are doing right now. Everybody's looking at it saying, I want to find the next Mahomes. I would argue that the best way to build your team, look at San Francisco out there uh, winning with third string quarterbacks. It doesn't matter. Why? because they patiently built an entire roster that could win with everything. We've talked about the Patriots this year, like they're an abject disaster. And I don't think Mac Jones is a particularly good quarterback, but they have a a chance at the playoffs going into Sunday. Why? Because they built a roster, right? So like, I'm just telling everybody that because I know all we're going to do is obsess about what's next to quarterback. And I'll tell you this right now, if the rest of the team does not get better through the course of the offseason, however that looks, it won't matter. I don't care if Tom Brady is the quarterback. I don't care who the quarterback is next year. This team cannot be competitive without making changes across the roster. I think everybody in the organization knows that. Yeah, and I think, and we, we will shift to the game at some point, but you know, it's, it feels like at this point, Fitz, as we record just before 5 o'clock West Coast on January 7th, the game is the game, right? The Raiders take an L, you end the season 6-11, and 11, and now everyone is focused on, on the, like we talked about, the next three, four, five months. And, and for me, you look at this game, how this game ends, right? Devontae Adams leads the, excuse me, leads the Raiders in receiving yards, 73. Uh, Hunter Renfro, uh, 7 for 63. But after that, who are your depth pieces on the, on the offense at your skill position players, right? We have a lot of questions about Josh Jacobs' future uh, headed into the next three, four, five months. Zamir White gets a single carry for four yards today. But if you go down and, and you look at the Raiders' roster fits, you feel good about, uh, feel great about Devontae Adams. I mean, you shouldn't feel anything except over the moon happy that this guy's going to be in silver and black going forward. You feel good about Renfro. But outside of that, who are your receivers, Fitz? Like, who, is, who are your quality depth pieces? Matt Collins has been fantastic in 2022. Career year for him. He's going to be a free agent. He's a guy that I assume will have options to either continue his career here or go somewhere else. But you need to have options. You need to have depth at the skill positions on offense. And right now, Fitz, it just doesn't feel like your 2022 Raiders had that. And you mentioned Mac. Think back to what Zay Jones got paid by the Jags. And everybody said, oh, my God, why would you pay Zay Jones that much money? Well, it's done the Jags very well. Uh, There's a concept we constantly say, well, this guy should take a deal or this guy's going to be a bargain. Uh, Mac Hollins has worked his way in to getting paid. Like, he's going to get that bag from somebody, and rightfully so. I'm incredibly happy for that man and for what he's accomplished. And you mentioned depth, and, and, and it just sort of hits me because I was sitting there in full transparency. We were filming all day today to get ready for the national championship game. And I had the Raiders game on the minute we started filming. I was like, we got to stop. I got to have the the game on, on the side while we're working in LA. And at one point they flashed up the stats for Devante. And I was with a bunch of high level ESPN talent that looked at it and said, man, 
I didn't realize how good the numbers were until you looked at the numbers. And I said, look, wait a second. You got arguably this year, the best wide receiver in the NFL. You have the NFL leading rusher and you have in my mind, the best defense. I, if I had a, a vote for defensive player of the year, it would go to Max Crosby, not just for what he does mm -hmm. as a disruptor, but also for what he does for tackles for loss and the rest of the defense. Right. So like you have three players that are playing out of their mind on a team that just finished with six wins. Right. So to your point, this isn't about the stars. This is about the depth. This is about the rest of the roster. This is about Dave Ziegler being able to restock the cupboard with the best of the rest of the roster. And just speaking of kind of some of the statistical anomaly of, of what we saw in terms of some of the Raiders stars this year, uh, the Raiders are the fifth team, just the fifth team in NFL history to have a 1500 yard wide receiver, Devonte Adams and a 1500 yard running back, obviously Josh Jacobs in the same year, right? They are the first team to do that since 1999. This does not happen very often. And it's a credit to Devonte and Josh uh, for going out there and, and, you know, playing an incredible brand of football. The Raiders finished six and 11. So you can have your stars, you can have your stars be stars, but football, and we talk about it all the time, fits the ultimate team game. You got to have guys that are going to fill the back end of that roster that are going to be able to contribute. And you look at some of those guys that contributed today. We talked about Mac Hollins, free agent. We talked about Keelan Cole, free agent. We talked about Foster, free agent, right? Mm -hmm. Like Dave Ziegler and company are going to have a lot of really tough decisions to make over the next couple of weeks and months on, to your point, how they kind of refill the cupboard. And then once we get to April in the draft, how they kind of put some new toys and new ingredients in there for whoever the quarterback is. The funny thing is there were moments and I, I was sitting there with everybody watching the game. And I asked Gary Streisky, sports center on Snapchat host. You watch him on the weekends. I immediately looked at Streisky and I said, man, are we going to have to admit Stidham is really good in the first quarter? Because we saw some plays, right? Like you saw some of the plays that we thought we'd see all year. Some of the big throws to Darren mm -hmm. Waller, a, a real laser to Devontae on a first down that I, I was stunned was completed. You saw those moments. And when you see the best of the best rise up to get that ball, you look at it and say, glory, glory, hallelujah. In that moment, you feel great about it. But to your point, then you look at the final score and it, it makes you realize that while you have a couple of those guys that can be dynamic game changers, you still have to be able to do the basics. You have to be able to sustain drives. You have to be able to get off the field on third down. You have to be able to cover once Patrick Mahomes starts running. Mm -hmm. When you talk about those three things, those are the three definitive things. Like if you, if you clip this off and play in August of next year, what do the Raiders have to fix? They have to fix third down. They have to fix third down defense. And they have to have something that can account for Mahomes or Herbert or mobile quarterbacks when they get outside the pocket. Those things didn't exist in this game. The fourth thing I would add to that fits, maybe three B, if you will, uh, the tackling has got to be better. The tackling has got to be better. I mean, we have seen this. You and I have sounded like a broken record all year, whether it's me or you or a combination of both of us. This defense has to tackle better. It's, it's as simple as that. It's the coming down to the lowest fundamental, right? Just the simple things of the game, the doing the little things right. The Raiders have got to tackle better. This is something that... Uh, you know, was an inhibitant to them in, in August. It's something that still has been a thorn in their side as we sit here on January 7th, and it hasn't gotten better. It did not improve. Now, we saw, I think to be fair, we saw little bits and spurts, a half here, maybe a game here, three quarters of a game there where it was solid, you feel good. But to do it over the course of 60 minutes, week after week after week, it was just not there for the 2022 Raiders fits. 
Yeah, but also acknowledge that that comes that becomes part of what we need to talk about when we hit the draft. Because for anyone that's not aware, in the collective bargaining agreement, once you hit the beginning of the regular season, you're only allowed 14, uh, allotted 14 padded practices for the rest of the year to practice tackling. You got 14 times all year to get it right. If your team doesn't tackle well week one, yeah, how do you fair. get better at it? Yeah. And I've asked coaches that on, on ESPN repeatedly, and everybody says, well, you, you know, you have dummies up and you hope that you no, it doesn't, it doesn't work. The Raiders are going to have to make sure. In, in April, when we hit the draft in Kansas City, of all places, the Raiders are going to have to make sure that they are drafting fundamentally sound defensive players that make the tackle that's in front of them. Like, I, I think that's a core uh, sort of principle, pillar, that you have to have to every person you add to this roster. You need a few more Nate Hobbses rolling around. Mm. I mean, you talk about guys that can that can tackle in, uh, tackle in the open field. I mean, Nate Hobbs is going to be at the top of that list. Uh, leaves today's game early due to injury, unfortunately. But you bring up a great point where the way that the NFL works in 2023 now, you don't get that time on task in doing some of that nitty-gritty type of stuff. And so if the Raiders want to kind of, I don't want to say re, you know, reimagine themselves on defense, because I think with Max, I mean, Matt, look, whatever you do in April, whatever you do in free agency, in 2023, this is Max Crosby's defense. That is not going to change. Max is the heartbeat of this defense. In many ways, Max is the heartbeat of this team. Max is the emotional leader of that defense. And 99% of, you know, 99% of the time and going into next year, probably, Max is going to be the most talented guy on your defense, right? It is Max Crosby's defense. 98 is going to take you where you need to go. But you need to have other guys that can fill in, that can supplement, that can do other things. Uh, and I think it is going to be a huge challenge for Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels and their and their respective staffs to kind of fill that out on the back end. Because, you know, you and I have talked about it a ton. There were a lot of times this year, Fitz, where it felt like your defense was Max Crosby and 11 dudes. And that is not to diminish anything that anyone on the Raiders defense did in 2022. But it felt like that was a bit of the reality for that group this year. They, every single person that puts on a helmet, especially this week, I think we're all keenly aware of the work that goes in, the sacrifice that goes in, the punishment to the bodies of every single NFL player. So it is with tremendous respect that I say this, but a buddy of mine that's a, a prominent sports writer told me years ago, if you want to get a sense of how good your team is, ask yourself this, if you put your roster mm -hmm. up against the best roster in the AFC. How many of these guys on one side of the ball would be starting for a Super Bowl caliber team? If you look at the way the Raiders have had to go this year because of injuries, largely because of the way that the depth goes in an 18 week, 17 game schedule, you've got guys starting on this defense that nobody would have imagined back in, in you know, August would, would need to be relied on to contribute to this defense. I think it's fair to say that that's putting guys in situations that are ahead of where they are, maybe in their development for where they want to be. It's also fair to say that speaks to some of the work that the front office, the scouting department, everybody's going to have to do because you got to look across the board and ask yourself, would this secondary be the secondary for the bills or for the Bengals or for the chiefs or for one of the best teams in the AFC? And the answer to that largely right now is, is no. Now maybe that can be developed up. Maybe that can be coached up. But you can look across the board and say, for all of the work that's being put in, there are just there are deficiencies that will have to be addressed. Dave Ziegler is going to earn his money starting right now. Between now and next August, there's going to be a ton of pressure on Dave Ziegler, and then rightfully so in August, 
there will be a ton of pressure on Josh McDaniels. That's just the way it works. Yeah, it's the nature of the beast. And we talk about some of the people on defense that have been thrown into, uh, at a, you know, it's an opportunity. I think, number one, it's an opportunity to get these reps at the end of the year. But if you look at, at linebacker today, uh, Harvey Lange gets a start for the silver and black. Uh, Mr. Lange joined the team on December 28th, right? So you go from uh, free agent on December 27th to making to signing with the team on the 28th and now fast forward to the 7th and you're getting the start. So, I mean, that is not, look, you and I are not uh, rocket scientists, nor do we pretend to. That is not an ideal situation for anyone in this building, right? I mean, you look at, it, at what the Titans are dealing with at the quarterback position. They've decided to play Josh Dobbs, who's been with the team for two weeks, right? Like this mm -hmm. is part of the attrition that comes with an 18 week, 17 game schedule. You are a thousand percent right. I, I live, eat and breathe. I mean, as I say all the time on ESPN, I got a damn Raiders tattoo, right? Like I live, eat and breathe this team. How many times have all of us that live, eat and breathe this team seen a tackle in the last month and said, wait, who is that? Yeah. Like who? I mean, and, and when you were talking about like, I'm not talking about the national guy that, that hasn't watched a ton of the Raiders all year. I'm talking about me and you and guys that, you know, you're sitting in the press box. You know that there are times where you're looking at the number and you're like, I, 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 I don't know, right? Yeah. Like, so it speaks to what happens in the current NFL. It speaks to the job. I think that Ziegler and McDaniels have done right now with talent that maybe not, they wouldn't have banked everything on in the, in the fall, but it also speaks to what's going to have to happen between now and next fall for this team. hundred percent. And look, we all know uh, in what some way, shape or form, the decision of, of what's going to happen at quarterback is going to be one of the biggest decisions that we have seen in, uh, in this organization in quite some time, but focusing on the guys that are in this building currently fits guys that are playing uh, Jared Stidham. We have now two weeks of the Stidham experience. He finishes today. Let me pull it up real quick. He finishes today, 22 of 36, 219 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Uh, candidly, a rather pedestrian line compared to what we saw a week ago. But I think all the same, uh, a note that uh, one of our PAs very astutely brought up, threw for more passing yards than Patrick Mahomes, right? I know it doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot coming in a loss, but we're now two weeks into the Stidham experience, Fitz. Uh, what do you kind of take away from these two weeks? Also understanding... That, like a lot of the guys that we brought up, Jared's set to hit free agency in just a few weeks or months, I should say. Comfort matters. And one thing, you know, I, I, I plug my new show, Fitz and Harry on Do ESPN it. Radio, Monday through Friday, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio every single day. I was talking to Harry, who played 10 years in the league. And Harry told me a really interesting story about when he had finished his time with the Falcons. And he actually had the choice between, at the, at the time, he was considering signing with the Raiders. He was considering signing with the Titans and then somewhere else. The reason he picked the Titans wasn't because he liked anything about the Titans over the Raiders. It was because we've talked about that. Believe me, it was because he knew the offensive coaches for the Titans. He knew the system. He knew the verbiage. He knew the terminology. He knew everything that was going to be expected of him and how. If you're Jarrett Stidham, you're in an offense that you are comfortable in. And I would... I would beg people to understand that that matters, right? Like, so when we talk about who might be the quarterback of the Raiders, the first thing you have to tell yourself is that what we have just watched, presuming that Derek Carr does not play for the Raiders again, if that's the safe presumption for most of us, and I'm in that, 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 that area, you have to look at somebody that's played in the league for a long time that never got comfortable in Josh McDaniel's offense, reminding that means that a smart quarterback that's worked with a lot of offensive coordinators just, 
struggle with the system. To me, what you have from Jared Stidham is somebody that understands the system. And there was a moment I was sitting at, at Seaport, which is where our New York studios are based. And I was sitting with uh, Harry Douglas, Rex Ryan, um, uh, Ryan Clark. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else. Hasselbeck was there. I mean, everybody's sitting in the room. Mm -hmm. I'm the one guy that didn't play the game in the room watching last week. And there was a play early on in the game where we all saw Jared Stidham made sort of a, a motion around his ribs. Yep. And it was a, an immediate motion. The entire room immediately yelled. They knew what play was coming, where it was coming. And they were like, that is a great signal from a young quarterback to, to audible to the wide receiver. And it worked perfectly. And Ryan Clark sitting next to me was like, man, I'm telling you what that tells you is that even if he's not as good as other quarterbacks, he knows this offense up and down and you will take that. I just need everybody to understand that the quarterback decision next year has to be largely based for an organization that wants to win right now on who can grasp Josh McDaniel's system. That's all the more reason why somebody that covers the draft, I'm nervous about a rookie because it is hard to get Josh McDaniel's system. You're, I'm, I'm looking for players, wide receivers, quarterbacks that know his system. And and I think that to me is you hit the nail on the head. And just two things real quick, though, but you you talk about that comfort, right? And I think that's kind of the the key word that I've taken out of these these past two weeks. Now, obviously, today uh, the results are simply not there for the Las Vegas Raiders. I think they were out uh, outmanned, outgunned by a better team, a team that is a Super Bowl favorite and is likely one of the favorites in the you know in the AFC as they should be, right? But I think we saw a level of comfort from Josh McDaniels and Jared Stidham as a tandem, as a as a duo. Right, I think we saw that. We saw how valuable that is. We saw how important that is, particularly last week going against the number one defense in the NFL, in the San Francisco 49ers, and seeing Jarrett light it up. Now, would you would I have loved to see that two weeks in a row? That kind of effort, that not the effort, but that kind of output. Absolutely, I would have. Absolutely, I would have. But alas, the Chiefs have everything to play for. Had everything to play for, I should say. And candidly. You know, while the while the Raiders were, you know, putting their best foot forward, while guys are very cognizant of what what they're putting on tape, this game didn't mean a whole heck of a lot to the overall story for your 2022 Raiders. You have a team in the Chiefs that have everything to play for, and you have a team in the Raiders that really don't. So, would I have loved this game to be competitive? I was talking to you this morning. I said, "Look, I think this game is going to be competitive." I said, "It's going to be really tough for the Raiders to pull it off, but I think that they are going to be competitive." And unfortunately, they weren't today. But Going back to what we talked about, you know, kind of the long-term plan, the solution for this team. Uh, the broadcast, I think, brought up a really good point, a really good nugget. It was, uh, it was Lou Riddick and, and Dan Orlovsky. They were talking about the conversation they had with Devontae Adams earlier this week for production meetings. And Devontae brought up the fact, and there was a key word, he said, he goes, whoever it is, whoever the quarterback is, whether it's, you know, quarterback A, B, C, D, or E, he goes, I want it to be someone that I can grow with and we can be here for a long time, right? Or long time in NFL terms, right? So to me, that says it is someone that, uh, to your point, either knows the system, has the ability to learn the system, and someone who isn't going to just be a quick one and done, right? You know, to use the, uh, the old NBA terminology. But I'm excited, man. It'll be very, very interesting. And I think you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said this is going to be, this is setting up to be the most interesting offseason in about a decade for the silver and black. Yeah, I think 100% it's the most interesting offseason. And think about what we saw in the game based on the way the game went. Because you and I, I think every week, like if we turned it into a drinking game, there'd be a drinking game around the phrase run the ball. Yeah. Right. 
this game wasn't going to be able to do that once it got to 21 to three, right? Like run the ball was out the window and play action, which was the real book on how you beat the 49ers. Would you make them honor play action? Well, that wasn't going to be And it. Once this game was 24 to three, we lost that whole gamble, right? So th- there's this moment of knowing that the game sort of went off the rails for what was hopeful to be called. I'm looking at at a team that's trying to get comfortable and what you've, you've seen, whether it's from the quarterback play, whether it's from the play calling, I don't know. But what we've seen is far more aggressiveness in the want to put, push the ball downfield, in the willingness to stand in there, run around, take a hit, in the willingness to run around at times like uh, – my guy Stidham needs to learn how to slide at some point. Like the number. No, he doesn't put the shoulder down, put the shoulder down. I love it. But this was not the, I think when they go back and watch the film, I don't think the offensive line will tell you this was their best game. Right. And Jared Stidham had a lot to deal with. He showed a lot of moxie. Like he stayed in the pocket. He took the hits. Do I, am I foolish enough to sit here right now and tell you that I think off of two games, Jared Stidham is the answer. No. But am I willing to say this? Look, the coaches see him every day. They know him every day. And the people in the organization that see these players every day in practice should have a better handle on who they are as players than we would ever have. Would I be surprised to see them go veteran with Jared Stidham and let him compete? No, I wouldn't at all. Would I be mad about the rate? And this is the thing I'll say the loudest. I won't be mad at all if we're sitting here after the draft. And what we're saying is that the Raiders stuck to their board and they went best player available, even if it wasn't a sexy pick. And they'll wait to figure out the quarterback position long-term until they can figure out the quarterback position long-term. But boy, they made the defense better and the offensive line better during the course of this draft and free agency. Glory, hallelujah, bring in the entire gospel choir. I'll be dancing around for that. And, and I think this is an important point too, right? I, I think that we go, go back to the summer and you kind of, you know, we remember when Stidham was, when the, the team traded for Stidham, right? When Dave and Josh bring him in. And I think a lot of folks were like, oh, that's an you know, interesting move, you know, obviously a quality backup for Derek, et cetera, et cetera. But they knew what they had in Stidham, right? I mean, it, it's obviously a guy who doesn't have a ton of live reps and NFL experience, but they knew if there were two people in the NFL world that knew Jared Stidham better than the team he was on, it was Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. Those are the two guys. That's the list. And like you said, they know more than we do. They brought this guy here for a reason. He played well, relatively. I mean, we used to play this game with our old boss all the time. Thumbs up or thumbs down. Stidham, the past two weeks. What do you give him, Fitz? I give him a thumbs up. Yeah, you got to. You got to give him a thumbs up. Now, is the thumb leaning a little bit after what we saw today? Sure. But, I mean, if, if, if you're going to make it a black and white A or B, he gets a thumbs up for what he did. So, I, I'm intrigued to see what happens with him uh, in terms of, obviously, you know, him being an impending free agent and, and how that all shakes out. But, I mean, we talk about guys that are going to be coming for free agency. And like we talked about, Dave and Josh going to have a lot of decisions to make, a lot of decisions. Speaking of those decisions, uh, our guy Josh Jacobs finishes his incredible 2022 mm. with not the sexiest line. Round of applause for Josh Jacobs. Uh, 17 yards, excuse me, not 17 yards, 17 carries for 45 yards. Doing my math real quick, putting him 205 yards ahead of Nick Chubb for the 2022 rushing title. The Browns play tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., against the Steelers. So I know that the Raiders don't have a rooting interest in that, but I think we should all be keeping an eye on, uh, on Mr. Chubb to see just how close he gets, or hopefully not close at all, to breaking Josh's uh, record this year. Because, man, if there's a guy who went out and did his thing every single day, banged up, no days off, 
It was Josh Jacobs. There were two former offensive linemen and a former running back in the NFL all around me as I was watching part of this game. And admittedly, a couple of them had not watched any of the Raiders because they cover college football. Amazingly, the number of times throughout the course of even the first quarter, they were like, how did he make something out of that? Mm -hmm. Like, I think we have to step back and acknowledge that what Josh Jacobs did this year is one of the best seasons, not just for any Raiders running back. I think it's one of the best running back seasons we've ever seen in the NFL. His ability to make something out of nothing every single time was absolutely wild. And my guy, like whatever that massive Brinks truck, they're going to back up to him. He has earned every single ounce. Like I hope that they pay him in dollar bills that he can lay on on a mattress like Scrooge McDuck because he has earned every single dollar of it. And when people say running backs can't get paid, I would tell you this, it's not your money. It's Mark Davis's money. And if he wants to pay a running back because that running back did this, then you go out there and you celebrate this young man because my God, if, if anybody's ever earned the massive payday, it is Josh McDaniels, Josh McDaniels, Josh Jacobs. I, I also think, Wrong we, Josh. yeah, every, every Josh gets paid. I also think that we have <laughs> to, we have to kind of change that narrative a little bit fits, right? Where I think, yes, the blanket statement of running backs don't get paid. Sure. There's probably, you know, statistically and analytically value in that, but good running backs, top tier running backs should get paid. Those are the guys I, that get paid. Like we need to stop worrying about who gets paid yeah. in general with our favorite team and just worry about winning games. Like if you were to, and then just sit here and tell me like, cause people do it all the time where they're like, Oh, you can't pay your quarter, your quarter can win. It will, I will remind everybody my microphone just made a noise. I will remind everybody loudly. I did the analytics through our stats and info group. According to the analytics, you cannot have other than Rob Gronkowski. No team has ever won a super bowl with the highest paid player at their position. So by that logic, you can't pay a safety, you can't pay a kicker, you can't pay a punter, you can't pay a wide receiver, you can't pay anybody. We need to stop worrying about it and just worry about winning some damn football games. And if Josh makes us better at winning football games, then you go pay the man. Preach, 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 preach. Uh, Fitz, on the way out, we have a very interesting offseason ahead of us. No shortage of intrigue and things to discuss. I want to make it a little harder on you, though. And I know we'll talk to you a bunch during the offseason, as we always do. Quarterback position aside, take the quarterback out of it. What is the biggest thing, your big storyline for the early part of 2023, as far as the 2023 Raiders are concerned? Yeah, so I think the Raiders are going to have to spend draft equity or money at the best they can get in one of two spots. And that's either corner, which we've tried many times, obviously, corner or defensive line defensive line makes a lot of sense right when you start thinking about defensive tackle and i'll go back to this draft like for everybody that says trade up and take a quarterback if you have your shot in this draft at a will anderson jr you go out there and you get you a will anderson jr even if it's a three four scheme like as some people will tell you you know you you can look across the board and you can look at the way that some of these defensive linemen play i think the most important thing that this raiders team will do in the offseason that will make them dramatically better from day one is they will get Max Crosby help. Whatever that looks like, whether it's a D tackle that can get after it, whether it's a corner that can that's a shutdown guy, that's where you have to spend your equity right now. Because the offense, the offense over time is going to be fine. For all of the conversation about what went wrong this year, you've got the leading rusher in the NFL. Mm -hmm. You have got one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And you've got a tight end when healthy, they can still make massive impact. Also, one of the best slot wide receivers in the NFL. That 
hasn't changed. The Raiders are going to be able to score points on people. They've got to get better on the defensive side of the ball, no matter who takes the quarterback reins. So I think what happens at defensive tackle and corner becomes the absolute landmark for this team moving forward. Yeah. I, bingo. Uh, just so I'm different than you, because that's what I was going to say. Uh, I'm going to say offensive line. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that we, we saw, I think we saw moments of growth from the offensive line in 2022. Uh, you, but you look at days like today, right? Six sacks could have been, you know, candidly could have been seven, eight, nine sacks. If you had a quarterback that wasn't as mobile as Stidham back there. Uh, and that's just not going to get it done. Uh, in the AFC. It's just not. Uh, Like you said, regardless of who the quarterback is, you need to have improved offensive line play. Yes, you are most likely going to end the season with the league's leading rusher, and they deserve all the credit in the world for helping facilitate that. But all the same, 2023 is a new year, and I think what's great about Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels is they're going to look at this roster, and they're going to look at the the areas that were good, and they can say, how do we make them even better? And they're going to look at the areas that say, hey, that isn't that was not a net positive for us. We have to get it to at least a, a place that's palatable, and they're going to do that. So yes, if your power ranking areas on this team that need to be better, offensive line is probably not number one. But all the same, I would love, love, love for there to be major investment into that group. I would love to see, uh, you know, uh, you know, some variety of of consistency with that group, and I would love to not see any games in 2023 where your quarterback is as is as under duress as Jared Stidham was today, ultimately getting sacked six times. But Fitz, we have so much to talk about in the offseason. Like I said, we will not be we will not be bored. But let us just shift to you for a second. Uh, up until tomorrow, you're going to be very busy, are you not? Yeah. So I'm uh, hosting the digital pregame show for the national championship, which you can watch at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, I believe, on ESPN, on all of our digital platforms, obviously, as we get ready uh, for Georgia TCU. We are in L.A., albeit SoFi Stadium, which is the second best stadium in the NFL behind one Allegiant, uh, no doubt about that. And then also for anyone that hasn't checked it out, Fitz and Harry started on Tuesday. That's me and Harry Douglas, Monday through Friday on ESPN Radio, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern, also on the ESPN app where we are simulcast because we're too pretty to just be on radio. So uh, we'll be coming at you live from LA the next couple of days. And then uh, from Bristol after that, but yeah, I'm really excited for that launch. And you know, as always, I'm constantly repping Raider nation and everything I do. So I'm unapologetic about my Raider takes on constant national radio. I will not, uh, I will not put you under pressure to make a pick for tomorrow's game, but I will just say my heart Georgia. is telling. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> Easy enough, Georgia. Uh, my, heart is, my heart is going to tell me, to take uh, to take TCU, I can't forget what what the dogs did to my ducks in uh, in what candidly was one of the biggest humiliations that I thankfully did not witness firsthand. But unfortunately, sat in a sports bar with my pregnant wife who was not drinking at the time, and I just had to I just had to own it. And that game took like nine hours, Fitz, because there were so many touchdowns, so many stoppages of play, so many first downs. Unfortunately, very few for the ducks, and I haven't forgotten. I have not yeah. forgotten. So I will be go, I will be pulling for Trayvon Merrigs, TCU Horn Frogs. I am rooting for TCU. Be very clue, okay. clear. I am rooting for TCU. I just don't think Georgia is going to make the same mistakes that Michigan made. And I feel you all the way to your core. By the way, on the heartbreaking loss, I think someday we'll we'll, we'll do a show where we should just have people call in and tell the stories of the Tampa Bay Raiders oh. Super Bowl because that was a uh, that was doozy of a day for me outside the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. That was a doozy of a day so like yeah. I, I feel you all the way to your core I'm all the way to your core yeah so we will see I think that the real winner though is all of us it's going to be a great game I think college football it, you know they do it right 
college football, they just do it right. We get the good stories. Uh, and we have, you know, a heck of a final chapter coming tomorrow night. And it is going to be a, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. So we will talk to you this offseason fits. The fifth quarter is in the books. The 2022 regular season is in the books. But one thing is very clear. We are just getting started because oh, yeah. we are uh, we're going to I think we're going to take a few days at the end of this week. Like I was telling now, we're going to kind of catch our breath. We're going to recalibrate, turn the machine off for a little bit. And then we are going to wake up and oh, brother. We got a lot to do. We got a lot to talk about, and I cannot wait. So, for the final time in the 2022 regular season, for Eddie Pascal, my man Jason Fitz, Big Al on the ones and twos, everyone else at Silver and Black Production, it has been so much fun this year to do this show. It has been an absolute blast. Uh, Obviously, it's a little more fun to talk about the wins than the losses, but all the same, uh, we are very, very lucky to get to hang out with all you guys and just talk our nonsense. So until next year, we will see you guys uh, in the fifth quarter presented by Twitch. Thank you for listening to the fifth quarter presented by Twitch. Make sure to download the Raiders mobile app and we'll see you next week. Go on, get a little out there, into the big-hearted heart of Nevada. Swap your jersey for more adventurous attire. Take a time out and huddle around the campfire. Come to a place where the stars shine brighter. Change your POV, ride an ATV, tell reality BRB. We've got surprising things to see. Go on, get a little out there. Start planning your trip at TravelNevada.com.